Hello and welcome to another episode of Hawkeye Talk with Jimmy Hawk. And today I'm going to talk a little bit about football. We've got the offensive coordinator hired at the University of Iowa. So the Brian Ferentz era, which has been over for a while, is now officially over with a new coach taking his place, Tim Lester. Uh, it's coming over from Green Bay, where he was an analyst last year, previously head coach at Western Michigan for six years. So get into that a little bit and then want to talk a little bit of basketball as well. You know, I gave Fran uh, kind of the benefit of the doubt in my last podcast talking about the job he's done at Iowa. And I think he has done a lot of positive things, um, but but things are, are breaking down a bit this year. And we knew that there was a chance of that with this young team. I mean, they, they still have a shot, but man, they've got a lot of work to do. They've, they've lost some horrendous games. Um, or, I mean, not horrendous games, but just teams that they should have beaten at home even. And just had guys that, that just did not perform on the big stage. And I don't know what's going on there. Um, but there's been some positives along with the negatives. And I want to get into that a little bit first. You know, everybody, when it talk, when we talked about offensive coordinator, I guess the, the big push, everybody thought it was going to be Paul Chris, the former Wisconsin head coach. And I was never too excited about that. I definitely would have would have supported it and would have gone right along with it. Had it happened, he just was never my favorite guy. I tried to watch some of his interviews a few times, and man, I mean, just about as boring as could get. Not that, not that the offensive coordinator does a lot of interviews at the University of Iowa, but I just always wondered how does this guy recruit? Obviously, he did because they got some good players, and I, I the other. Concern for me was, you know, the development at quarterback. He was a quarterback's coach, but did he have great quarterbacks overall? I mean, you look at the Graham Mertz situation, that, that never seems to really pan out for him. You know, obviously he had Russell Wilson for one year, and that was an incredible year, but you look back at the stats and the quarterback numbers aren't great. It was going to be, you know, a lot more just kind of your traditional uh, handoff and and you know, try to pile up a lot of yards rushing, and but different sets and some different, you know, different alignments, and and they did a lot, had a lot more success with that in Wisconsin than the Hawkeyes have of late. So, I I think it would have been a good choice. You know, Philbin, Joe Philbin, he was another guy that that people thought might be coming in. You know, both of these guys are a little bit older, too. They've been around a little bit longer. Philbin's in his 60s. I think Chris is 58. And then they started, I think, you know, the the Chris situation just kind of fizzled out. Not sure uh, what happened as far as Philbin. Maybe he wasn't interested. Maybe the Hawkeyes decided they weren't interested in going that direction. Who knows? And they started talking to Kevin Johns, and then there were photos with Kirk Ferentz having breakfast with Kevin Johns at the hotel, and and he was interesting, you know, 48 years of age and a lot of experience as an offensive coordinator. Now, he's never been a head coach before, but he's been offensive coordinator at Duke, Memphis, one year at Texas Tech, um, one year at Western Michigan under Tim Lester, the, the guy that the Hawkeyes hired. And then he did a lot of things at, at Indiana as far as offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach, and wide receiver coaching at, at Northwestern, et cetera. So he, he's been around quite a bit, you know, more of a, a spread option type of a guy. And then all of a sudden Tim Lester came on the scene and nobody really saw that coming. 
And obviously there was a huge Twitter meltdown about Tim Lester. And I was kind of in the same boat there. I mean, when, when I first heard about it, I, I, I just was kind of listening to some people that were saying, this is just Kirk Ferentz, you know, refusing to change and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, before I got too excited, I decided to go out there and do some research. And by the time I was done looking at, at past interviews of, of Coach Lester when he was at Western Michigan, uh, some of his play calling, there's some videos out there of, of his run play option, plays that he likes to run. And, you know, you kind of look at, at some of the offenses that they had while he was at Western Michigan, some of the quarterback uh, performance and, you know, not highly ranked guys. And then some of the wide receivers that he developed into, uh, he helped develop into NFL guys. So just the more I kind of appealed away at it, it, it just seemed like there was more to like. And it is Tim Lester and kind of an interesting, you know, uh, history for him. He was a he was a quarterback. He was actually going to go to Florida. Uh, he was a, a really highly rated quarterback, but he hurt his knee. He ended up going to Western Michigan, and he threw for over eleven thousand yards, eighty-seven touchdowns, set about every school record as quarterback at Western Michigan. And then he kicked around a little bit in in some of those you know, XFL-type leagues, the Nashville Cats, Carolina Cobra, some of those teams, but just for a couple of years. And then he started coaching high school, and he's from Illinois originally, which Wheaton, Illinois, which is a is a good thing for the Hawkeyes as far as recruiting the Chicagoland area. Obviously, being from you know, head coach in Western Michigan for as long as he was, he's got great ties in the state of Michigan, I'm, I'm sure Ohio and Indiana, some of those neighboring states. So, that's that's something that had to be had to be pretty uh, pretty positive when Kirk Ferentz was looking at him as well. But one thing about Tim Lester that I, I found interesting was all but all but one year that he was head coach. He'd been head coach, you know, at different levels for many years. He was always the play caller, and he was offensive coordinator in high school. You know, a couple of couple of different schools, um, and then it, it, he was quarterbacks coach at Western Michigan. He ended up being head coach a couple of smaller schools and then Syracuse. He was the quarterback's coach for a couple of years, but midway through his second year there, they fired the offensive coordinator and threw him in. So kind of a difficult situation there, but he got thrown right in to offensive coordinator, then played offensive coordinator the next year before the coach was let go. Went over to Purdue to be a quarterback's coach. And then Western Michigan, 2017, 2022. Not a you know, not a, not too bad of a, I mean, not a great record there, but over 500 record. He had one bad year, one sub 500 year, and that was his his final year in 2022. Some people were all getting upset about here. You know, we're hiring a guy that got fired from Western Michigan. What coach doesn't get fired? I mean, we've got a few of them around here, but but it's pretty rare. Most coaches are are getting fired within four or five years. You know, if they're not really performing, and at Western Michigan, they got a new offensive coordinator in 2021, sorry, a new athletic director in 2021, and that athletic director wanted his own guy, and after the, the sub-500, 5-7 season in 2022, he was shown the door, and then Lester went to the Green Bay Packers. Uh, he was a teammate, 
Packers head coach. And he went on there to be an assistant, more of just a senior senior analyst was the title. And I, I like what he did there. That's interesting to me, too. You know, he was actually out scouting offenses prior to Green Bay playing teams. He would scout their offense and then kind of break it down for the defensive team and what these offenses are doing. So just another opportunity for him to, to learn what some of these high-powered NFL offenses are doing out there and doing successful, excuse me, successfully. And, you know, what I like about this hire with Tim Lester is he spent six seasons as a head coach at the Division One level, and there's so many things that you're responsible for in that position. Seems like a heck of a great guy, a good recruiter. Um, it seems like the coaching staff, Kirk Ferentz, really got along well with him. They think they'll be able to work well with him. Not that they maybe wouldn't have with, with Kevin Johns, but it, it just seems like this is a good fit. And when I say a good fit, I'm hoping that that doesn't mean it's a good fit for just doing what we've always done on offense. I mean, I, I wouldn't, I would hope that he wouldn't take the job if he just had to try to run the, the Kirk Ferentz, Brian Ferentz type of offense. Tim Lester is a run-pass option guy, and it wasn't a guy that, that – wants the quarterback to run a lot. Obviously, the quarterback can tuck it and run if there's nothing there. But when we talk run-pass option, in his offense, it's more a handoff to the – it's reading the defense and a handoff to the running back if there's a hole there and it looks like they can get some yardage. If not, you pull the the ball from the running back's gut and and you got guys going out on patterns and you hit somebody on on a pass pattern and you know, it's go out there and find some some videos of Tim Lester talking about it. It's exciting. What I liked is there's a video of him talking about running RPOs with a two tight end set. And also, when you look at his numbers in the past, they've had some really big years running the football. So when you, when you run an RPO offense, it doesn't mean that you have to pass, pass, pass all the time. You can still scheme it up and, and have a lot of rushing yardage. So having two tight end sets, obviously that's huge for the Hawkeyes. You've got Addison Ostranga, you've got Luke Lachey coming back. You need those guys on the field together quite a bit. Now hopefully what the Hawkeyes are going to do is go for wide receivers in the transfer portal and try to get some really dynamic wide receivers, guys that can catch the ball and run. The patterns that I'm seeing – on, the, on this RPO offense are just the things that we've been missing. So just short crossing patterns. Um, they, I'd love the play where they run a uh, wide receiver screen, but it's like a wide receiver screen and go. And, and the guy, you know, it looks like he's going to be just doing a wide receiver screen, and then he just zips down the sideline, wide open, touchdown. So it, it's going to be interesting. How much freedom is he going to be given? Uh, I think uh, – if he can just prove that this this offensive set is working, I think they're going to let him do more and more uh, of what he wants to do. So it's going to be really interesting come springtime how the Hawkeyes are looking. But what are they going to do in the spring about quarterback? Cade McNamara is injured. He's not going to be back to, to be able to practice in the spring. So hopefully that's Marco Linez out there. Tommy Paholski, the walk-on. And then Deacon Hill course i don't think rezar james rezar is is going to be in i don't think he enrolled 
the semester, so I don't think he's going to be in until the summertime. And in the spring, the portal is going to open back up. And you know there's going to be guys in the transfer portal, and that's when the Hawkeyes start start to, to need. They need to start looking for wide receivers and a quarterback. And a quarterback is a must-have at this point. I mean, if if Marco Linez looks really good, maybe not so much. But, boy, I mean, Cade McNamara, if he goes down, they need to have somebody solid behind him that can run the offense that Tim Lester wants to run. And it can't be, you know, someone that comes in there and they just grind out 200 yards per game, you know, get one touchdown and two field goals or anything like that. I mean, we need to have some offense next year. It's a huge year for the Hawkeyes. The more you look at that schedule, it just seems so daunting at first with Washington and UCLA and a bit of turmoil at UCLA. Is their coach going to even be around? Washington's coach is gone along with a lot of players that have, that have left with them. So I the Hawkeyes have a good opportunity next season to get some wins, and, and you know, they just need to get that offense rolling. So, hey, we'll see what Tim Lester can do. You know, like I said, the more I look at it, the more excited I am. I, I feel like he's a really solid guy, a solid coach, and a guy that's had a lot of success running an RPO offense. And it just really seems to love uh, scheming and, and finding ways to trick the defense, which, you know, you think about what the Hawkeyes have done in the past, just kind of line them up and try to try to just flow through them, even though there's nothing there. And, uh, and, and so I'm excited. Let's see what can happen in 2024. My season tickets are intact. I didn't go out there and say, I'm not getting, I'm not renewing my season tickets. It crossed my mind. It really did. And then I said, I'm going to wait before I comment, and I'm going to look at stuff, and, and I'm pretty pleased with, with what the Hawkeyes ended up here at Offensive Coordinator. All right, I'm going to go ahead and shift gears and talk a little Iowa Hawkeye men's basketball, and it has been a bit of a roller coaster ride this season. You know, the Hawkeyes don't have many good, good wins. It was a blast watching the Hawkeyes beat Michigan by 10 on the road, Peyton Sanford just lighting it up. Uh, Tony Perkins lighting it up. And, and, but, but that was in between, you know, the, the Purdue loss was to be expected at home, although a few shots hit late in that game. They could make the three. They could have pulled out an upset. And, I mean, but I'm not too worried about that one. But then Maryland comes into town. And the Hawkeyes don't score a basket. I think it was in the last five and a half minutes of the game. They had that game won. I think when I looked on the ESPN app, it was almost 89% the Hawkeyes were going to win. And then they just can't score anything. Turn it over. Miss shots. And it just, I mean, it just was so frustrating. And then, you know, like I said, the great Michigan uh, road game. And then they go to Indiana and it looks like they just have Indiana on the ropes. Well, I mean, initially, it looked really bad, but the Hawkeyes came storming back behind Perkins and, and Peyton Sanford again. It's, it's just been such a struggle lately uh, for Ben Cricky, and I don't, I don't know what is going on with Cricky, and then Peyton Sanford is coming off the... I'm sorry, uh, uh, Patrick McCaffrey is coming off the bench now. And you know, he was 0 for 4 in the game against Indiana. Uh, 
You want to see him scoring seven, eight, nine points off the bench, really providing that spark. But I mean, there's two guys that are just lighting it up for the Hawkeyes right now, and that's Tony per- Tony Perkins and Peyton Sanford. And, and those guys are doing everything they can to try to win games, and they're getting after it. And I'm not saying other guys are, are, aren't too. I mean, Owen, Owen Freeman had a bad game, but, but he's just been incredible this year as a true freshman. But Tony Perkins is the leading scorer for the Hawkeyes now. It's been Ben Cricky all year, and Ben Cricky has just gone absolutely ice cold, which is not a good thing because he doesn't rebound much for a 6'9", 250-pound guy. And he doesn't bang down low. He doesn't play really good defense. And, boy, it, I mean, it's just what they got him for was shooting and scoring and being efficient on the offensive end. He's been having tra- – he's been traveling. Uh, I don't know. It's just been, been kind of wild to watch. But Tony Perkins now, 15.5 points per game. I think he's had 20-plus points in at least three straight games. And, and he is so much fun to watch. He's going to go down. I mean, he keeps ascending in, in as far as my favorite Hawkeyes of all time. I mean, he's not in the top five at this point or anything like that. But I really like watching Tony Perkins play. He's had some issues at times of, of kind of being um, inconsistent. You know, he'd have those games where he, he shoots really poorly or whatever. But he is really balling this year. And that's been fun to watch. Ben Cricky is, is averaging 15 points per game, just five rebounds. And, you know, that's that's a spot that the Hawkeyes are just getting crushed on the boards, and it's just hurting them so badly. And then Peyton Sanford is tied with Cricky at 15 points per game. He's averaging seven rebounds per game and almost three assists. And his game has just been elevated to such a point. I mean, you know, he, he's... He's shooting 46% from the floor, 91% from the free throw line, and almost 40% from three, 39.5% from long range for Peyton Sanford. So hopefully Perk and Sanford will be lighting it up against Ohio State when they come to town Friday night. Uh, Ben Cricky, hopefully he'll get, get his shot back falling. And Owen Freeman, he's averaging 11.6 rebounds. Per game, a steal per game, 1.7 blocks. He does it all. He's starting to knock down free throws as well. 64% field goal percentage, 68% from the line. And, man, he, he's just a true freshman, 6'10". He's a dunking machine. He's got great moves down low. By the time he is done, the Hawkeyes, he's, he's going to be up there in, in you know, a lot of, Statistical categories, you know, in, in the top five or so, just a, a great player. Now Patrick McCaffrey, so he he was sick, then he injured an ankle, and apparently that's lagging or something. For whatever reason, he's coming off the bench. I like him off the bench. I think he would have been, you know, it would be a good six man type guy. He's still averaging just under nine points per game, three rebounds, one and a half assists, but just shooting forty one percent from the field. And just 26% from three-point land. He's been a better three-point shooter than that his whole career. So that's just a bit perplexing this year, and it's, it's really hurting some games. 
Josh Dix, he has been starting of late. I, I like Dix a lot uh, as a starter. I don't know if this is the year. I mean, I, I almost feel like Brock Harding needs to get in there just to get the offense going. I think Brock Harding would play fewer minutes than Josh Dix, but just the way the offense goes with Brock Harding in there, I like it. But I'll get to him in a minute. Uh, Josh Dix, he's averaging 20 minutes per game, seven points, two rebounds, two assists. He needs to shoot more. This guy's shooting 54% from the field, 89% from the free throw line. He needs to get to the line as well. And he's shooting 45% from three. This guy can knock him down. So they need to run more sets for Josh Dix. But that's the problem. He's playing point guard in there. And I think uh, sometimes you get more, your, your attention gets more focused on bringing the ball up the court and, and getting the offense started and, and not getting your own shot. Well, DeSante Bowen, his minutes have been kind of tailing off. He's only averaging five points, about 15 minutes per game. But you know, he's only shooting 40% from the field, 25% from three. So, you know, again, not what we were hoping from a scoring standpoint this year from him and then you know Brock Harding I, I mentioned him you know shooting has been the the most difficult part he's only shooting 30 percent from three 32 percent from the field overall he needs to he needs to button that up he needs to get that up 45 percent at least there but you know he's still averaging three assists per game only behind Tony Perkins and, and doing that in just 12 and a half minutes per game Really like Brock. Really like what he's going to bring in the future. But he needs to get the three-point shot down. You know, it's a little bit further out than high school. He needs to get. Uh, he needs to. You know, his his he does a lot of floaters, going to the basket and stuff. He needs to knock those down. And then the last couple are you know Price Sanford and Laji Dembele, and they're averaging about ten minutes per game. Um, Price just hasn't really gotten it going yet this year. He's shooting 32% from three, and uh, need to see that that pick up a little bit. And then Laji was kind of hot early on, and he's really struggled offensively. But he can go in there and get some rebounds and, and hustle and that sort of thing. But, man, you know, the Hawkeyes, we were talking about them being really deep. Now they just don't seem so deep, just with some of the true freshmen struggling a little bit. Sante Bowen as a sophomore, not really coming on like we hoped he would in year two. Patrick McCaffrey struggling when he's coming into the game as well. So all of that is, you know, kind of coming together, and and this team is struggling at times. So hopefully they can get a win against Ohio State. Uh, what, what do we have right now? The Hawkeyes are in 10th place. They're 12-9 overall, 4-6 and six in the conference. And they're just, I mean, they're in trouble. I mean, they're, on, they're in, in deep trouble. they gotta, they got to beat Ohio State at home. they got to pull out a win at Penn State. They've got to beat Minnesota at home. They need to go on the road and beat Maryland because they've got some really tough games coming up. They've got to play Illinois twice. They've got to play Northwestern at Northwestern. They're a good team at Michigan State. How many times do the Hawkeyes win at Michigan State? I know they're not as good of a team right now. They're going to host Wisconsin. So they need to they need to knock out some wins in these next few games. But it's it's going to be a struggle. Hopefully they can do it. And, you know, it is – it's rebounding. 
you know, they, they kind of elected to go with, with more of a shooter with Ben Cricky than a rebounder for a big guy. Uh, and that's really crushed them in, in a couple of the most recent games. It's been hurting them. You know, the defense, I kind of tried to defend Grant a little bit on that. But you look at the numbers, and they should be way better than they are. You don't have to be way in the 200s, you know, when it comes to, to your different defensive rankings. So that's – you wish they could be doing a little bit better there. And the offense just has just fallen off for a couple of these players, and that's been – that's been causing a lot of the struggles. So, hey, there's still hope. Let's not give up yet. The Hawkeyes have a game on Friday night at Carver Hawkeye Arena. Hopefully there'll be some Hawkeye fans showing up to cheer them on. Four and six, so it's not insurmountable, but they need to finish at least 500 in the Big Ten to have a shot at going to the NCAA tournament. So, Let's see what they can do. Well, I appreciate it, everybody. Uh, lots of stuff going on right now. Caitlin Clark still bringing it, and uh, and and that's been fun to watch. Wrestling has been just a, a lot of fun. There's been a lot of those on, on TV lately, uh, those matches, and that's been fun watching some of those young wrestlers getting after it, too. So weather is getting nice. Man, it's... Hit 60 degrees and sunny where I am right now and, and loving every minute of that. And speaking of that, let's go walk the dog and enjoy the weekend, everybody. Go Hawks!